I like to prepare for a race mentally by using um, visual cues. And so putting up pictures around my house, putting up pictures of my goals um, and things like that to keep those at the front of your mind. Um, I think in order to accomplish that mental fortitude and aspect in a race, you have to practice it in training. And so to be able to like go through hard spots in training and not just have it be all, you know, rainbows and butterflies is is super important. And to be able to acknowledge that when you have that in in a training day and say, okay, look, like, and then figure out what helps you to get out of that. And I think it's different for different people. There's there's a lot of different coping mechanisms that I use. There's counting that helps me just to like get back into the present moment. And I'm just like counting my right leg on my bike, how many times it goes over and just count to a hundred and then go back to one and then just keep counting. And if you keep counting forever, you're just staying present in that moment. And same with, same with running, same with swimming, just counting one leg or one arm, like the stroke and everything. And so... That helps me ground myself and just like come back into the present moment. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and it's on this show that we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. You know, people who have found their thing, committed to it, and traversing life within that role. We believe that we're all here on purpose. There are no mistakes about our existence here on earth, and we have gifts to share and unique roles to play. This, of course, does not come without challenge. Just because you find your thing does not mean the waves of life will cease. In our experience, finding purpose tends to kick things up a notch because it keeps calling us to more. And with that, we traverse more, more intensity, but also more joy. And that's all right, because there's something about finding your thing that makes it all feel, well, purposeful. I'm so excited to dig into the story of our guest today, because I do not believe she ever intended to be competing in triathlon, and certainly not at the level at which she competes today. Jocelyn McCauley is currently ranked 18th in the world by the Professional Triathletes Organization. She is just coming off a loaded spring after taking the win at Ironman Texas in April and placing 12th at the World Championships in St. George, Utah. Jocelyn competed in her first half Ironman just 10 weeks after giving birth to her first child and turned pro the following year. She is no stranger to victory or failure. She has navigated it all over her seven years of racing professionally. We're super excited to dive into her training, racing, as well as our favorite topic, mindset. Jocelyn McCauley, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. I always love your intros of athletes, and so I was excited to hear mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun. It's like one of my favorite things to do. I just sit down and I just let my fingers, like I take some breaths and I just let my fingers move and I don't know, I just tap into the stream. So uh, it's such an honor. And I used to we used to inter, we used to interview people and then I would record an intro after and I was always like it always kind of bummed me out because I love to honor our guests when they're right here because everyone that comes onto this show just amazes me like we're all, 
you're taking risks and you're you're out there and you're showing up and you know it's sometimes you win and sometimes you don't and and uh, I just think it's it's really brilliant. sometimes you pass out yeah sometimes you pass out sometimes you thrive it's just you know it's uh it's pretty cool but thank you so much I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it and certainly we're excited to have you here today. Um, so all that triathlon stuff that I talked about in the intro, I actually want to talk about, I want to start off with talking about some gravel because you're oh. also a gravel rider. Oh. <laughs> you're like, no, don't talk about unbound, but you uh, just, yeah, we could skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up gravel riding is because if you look at like triathlon and you look at something like gravel riding, somebody may say like, oh, you're a professional triathlete. Like you can't be screwing around with gravel riding. It's too dangerous. It's too this, it's too that. And you could compromise things. So there's this, I don't know. I think there's like this, there's the fear that keeps us alive and there's the fear that keeps us from living. And um, that fear that keeps us from living does put us in the risk category. And so I just wanted to hear from you, like, what is it about gravel riding that, that drew you in and, and uh, keeps you getting on that bike? Um, well, a couple of things. Um, the first one not being so glamorous is that, uh, sponsors care about gravel racing. And so I care about what my sponsors care about. And so, um, cause I like to give back to them cause they give me so much. And so I did my first gravel race in the fall at Big Sugar. Um, uh, last year it was like a hundred mile race basically. And I uh, loved it. And I, I did it because, you know, they wanted, you know, people to do gravel and that's where they see their market right now, um, more than triathlon. And so I did that. And then I also wanted to do it because I see it as a great compliment, um, to triathlon. I, I guess I don't see the risks and everything like that, which is probably, like also why I've had other things happen in triathlon because <laughs> I like blow risks out of the whatever, like, um, too much sometimes much to my husband's chagrin. Um, so I, I, I think it's a great compliment because it's a different style of racing. Obviously it's a lot of like threshold and then backing off and then riding in groups and everything. And so not only is it different, you know, training. And so the race itself is good training for triathlon because it is so different, but it also is really good bike handling skills, which triathletes are really known for being amazing bike handlers. <laughs> so um, anything I can do to improve upon um, my not so awesome bike handling skills, uh, I, you know, will, will do, um, that, that I've, so I did that gravel race and it's funny you say risks because I ended up breaking my wrist, um, uh, in my, um, uh, navicular, no, uh, my, uh, whatever this bone is called, uh, I blanked out anyway, um, in two places and tore ligament. And so, uh, out about mile 14 and I still finished the race cause I'm not dumb. So. <laughs> <laughs> or that committed, right? You finish what you start <laughs> yeah. to a point. Yeah. yeah. So, well, to a point because unbound, I did not finish. So <laughs> that looked like a gnarly race. Like every picture that I saw yeah. of people who did and did not finish just looked wrecked and like just covered, covered in mud. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's not why I didn't finish. Um, I actually just made a Instagram reel that I haven't posted yet about why I didn't. And it's, I got sick a couple of days before St. George world championship, um, in the beginning of May. And I raced sick and finished the race sick. And I had never finished a race while sick. I've started races sick and then just pulled out or was forced to stop. Um, and so I had never finished a race sick and I didn't realize how much of a detriment that does to your body. And I have been literally struggling with it for the last five weeks. And it's been, it's been a, it was like at first, the first couple of weeks, just a massive physical struggle. And it, then it became a really big mental struggle because of the physical struggle, um, you know, connected and linked and, and everything. And so, um, I went to a week before unbound. I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. I shouldn't be doing this race. Um, and I said, like I said earlier, I, I think we all make dumb mistakes sometimes. And some of us make more dumb mistakes than others. And, um, and I decided to press on and, and go. And so I was like, well, I, I can, I can do it. I can get through it. I, you know, it's only 200 miles. <laughs> um, and so went to the race and I, two days before the race, I ended up with a migraine. I get them like twice a year and I happened to have one like two days before the race. And, and so it was just like, in a way, the world telling me don't do this. Like, this is a dumb idea. And I still dumbly pushed on and was like, no, no. And so I got to the start line and I, I went and I just, I was like redlining for the first two hours. And I was like, this is, and just like power to heart rate and efforts and everything was not aligning whatsoever. Massive gaps of, and so I was like, you know what, this is, this is going to be a detriment to both my next gravel race and triathlon races. And so I need to make me, um, the focus and, and, you know, inward. And I just one shout out to, um, amazing, um, head wheels and Anne head is the owner of that company. And the day before the race, I, I was talking to her about all of this and she says like, Jocelyn, like, do you feel pressured to do this from us? Like, cause I never, ever, ever, ever want you to feel pressure, you know, from us to, to do this. And I, I just broke down crying and I was like, Anne, that's so nice. Like, thank you. <laughs> like, just cause it is super sweet for, you know, she's like, you never should be going into a race thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to do this because of my sponsors. And so she's like, I never, ever, ever want you to think that. Like I would have loved it if you were at home this weekend, snuggling your kiddos, which was just, uh, an amazing, amazing partnership, um, and something that I needed to hear at that time. So were you toiling with the decision <clears throat> to stop like for the first two hours or was it kind of like, okay, enough, I, I, enough's enough. Like what is the internal dialogue in the mind? Um, like the first couple hours I was just in it and just like, okay, going, going, going. And I, I, I've never had, like, I've heard people talk about like out of body experiences in races. I've never had that. And I don't think it was because I was in the zone. I think it was because I was not healthfully doing the race, but I had like this weirdly out of body experience, had really, really lightheadedness. Um, it was just, it was a very weird experience. And so I don't know, I was just going and then, cause there's two checkpoints that your, uh, support crew is at, 
And that first checkpoint was like 77 miles. And then the second one is like 104, no, 160-ish miles. Anyway, and I, I don't know. I just was like, I'm getting to that first checkpoint and then going from there. And I think that was just my evaluation is like, I mean, 77 miles of gravel is not going to do anything of a detriment or benefit and whatever. And so I got there. uh, My brother-in-law was supporting me and my sister and got there and, you know, changed out real fast. And gravel races, you carry your phone, which is also a totally new thing to triathletes because it's like you can't carry your phone. And so it's kind of fun. Um, And so I'm out there riding my bike and I actually, you know, call up my husband as I'm riding. No one's around me. So and no cars or anything. And so I call him up and I'm like, I just don't, I don't know. This is probably a dumb idea. Like I really am not feeling great. Like I don't know what I should do. And, you know, had a good chat with him um, and then ended up like it was a convenient pullout for my brother-in-law to pick me up about an hour later. And so pulled out at that point. And so, um, I, you know, I've made dumb mistakes in my life and I've made smart choices. And I, I am actually quite proud of that choice that I made at that time to pull out for for my health and, and valuing my health and well-being over finishing a race. Yeah, absolutely. So in triathlon, you know, I said like you're 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 no stranger to winning, and you know, you've also <laughs> had seven years in in the sport racing professionally. Like you're going to have DNFs, right? If you're in the sport long enough, you're going to have those do not finishes. So you've had that in triathlon. You had it recently with the gravel ride. How do you? how do you, what's your process for letting that go? Right. Cause it's, it's about how we're going to, how we're going to move forward. And, and maybe because you're still not feeling a hundred percent, like you might still be in a little bit in the storm. Um, but how have you found that process of letting go and moving forward, which I think, and, and maybe or may not, you may or may not agree with this, but I think there's like some self-forgiveness in it too. Like when we, we pull out of something, we don't finish what we start. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, um, I also was excited to talk to y'all because you asked me really good questions. Very good <laughs> introspective. I'm like, shoot. It's not therapy. It's I not. was just thinking, I'm like, as I'm, as I'm asking that question, I'm like, you're 12 minutes in, Jess. You're 12 minutes in. So thank you. I appreciate it. Like, just like Anne Head did for you, you just did for me. Thank you, Jocelyn. <laughs> no, no, I love it. Um, yeah, I, you know, as you asked that question, it was, it was interesting because I went and I was like, well, it's, e- it's easy. It's easy for me to move on. It honestly is, which I'm sure for some people it's, it's not, um, but I, you know, I'm trying to think of what the first DNF race that I had was. I think it was 2016 Ironman New Zealand, and that was a race I started sick, and I ended up pulling out, and I had um, uh, over a 104 degree fever. I ended up like cheering some people on, and then my husband was like, "We need to go to the med tent," and so they checked my temp, had a 104 degree fever. They put me in ice pack, like ice bucket. They had to put cold fluid IV in me, like all these different things. And anyway, um, it was, it was not fun. Um, and like, I guess how I moved on was I just got back into things. 
I grew up in a family of just like pushing forward and shoving things under the rug, which is, you know, such a healthy way to live. And, um, and so that's how I think I've dealt with this, which is just like, okay, shove it under the rug and let's just keep moving forward. And if I keep moving forward and leave that, then the, you know, pickup truck will take it away and everything will be fine. And, and it has so far, which is, it's funny because then you went into the place of, you know, it takes some, some self-forgiveness and, and I guess I haven't, I just have moved on. And I mean, I guess that's a way to deal with a lot of things in life is, is when, you know, things aren't going your way or when things, you know, are hard, if you just keep pressing forward, then, you know, it will change. You know, what was it, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, if there's one thing I've learned in life, it, it's that it goes on. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> if you keep moving forward, it keeps going on. And so you just truck, yeah, truck along. <laughs> well, it's like what we, what we put our attention on, right? Like that, that expands, like whatever it is that we're giving it fuel. If we're, if we're miring, like, Remiring in the, the minutia of something that's happened in the past. Um, you know, I grew up a very similar way. I think you did too, BJ. Um, Tons of rugs. So Tons I've never, rugs. yeah, like I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, um, I think I always say to the athletes I work with, like, it's the most important thing is like how we're going to move forward from here, like how we're going to move forward from here, and not proactively going back and trying to dig into the the chest, <clears throat> the treasure chest of of pain. But that when, when and if circumstances in life arise that, you know, stuff starts to come up, feel that, but keep moving forward, right? Like feel, feel all the things, feel the disappointment. Um, cause I would think that to some degree you're feeling that. Are you feeling disappointment of pulling out? Are you, are you, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that feeling it is important. I don't know how much we need to energize it you know, and, and yeah. analyze it. I had a coach who, you know, any good race or any bad race, you have 24 hours. Sometimes I give myself 48 hours um, to grieve or celebrate. And then you move on and you just keep pushing on. And it was a really good, it was a really good philosophy um, to have. I mean, and so like after, after Ironman Texas that I won, I had the world championships two weeks later. And so, you know, about two days after, you know, Ironman Texas, I was still getting questions and, and different things. And I was like, that's the past. Like I'm, I'm focused on the world championship now. <laughs> like, yes, I celebrated. Yes, it's great. I'm happy about it. But I, you know, like I, uh, I had the two days and I celebrated and I moved on. Um, which, you know, who knows if that's super healthy or not, but it's, it's been, it's been healthy and good for me to have, to have that. Um, I really liked how you said, you know, what you focus on and gross, because that was, that was some, a big lesson I learned, um, that I wrote a blog about was grow the good. Um, because when I moved out here to Idaho about five years ago now, I was in a miserable mindset and a miserable, miserable state. And my daughter and I would like just cry ourselves to sleep. Like she would be like laying in her bed. Mom, I want to go back to Cincinnati. Like, why can't dad just like fly back and forth? And like <laughs> she was four at the time. So she didn't really understand how expensive plane tickets are. Um, and so, you know, I, I would, you know, mourn with her and then I just hated Idaho and stuff. And and my sister was like, okay, like she came out and saw how miserable I was and was like, you need to tell me three good things every day about Idaho. 
Um, and so, you know, for the first several weeks, maybe a couple months, it was, I love the sunrises and I love the sunsets and then something else because <laughs> the sunrises and sunsets are beautiful, but, you know, focusing on all that good. Now I love Idaho. And so it is, it's an amazing way to change the mindset or to just keep moving on. Mm. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the power of, of, of seeing, seeing the thoughts, right. Seeing these thoughts that are, that yeah. are there and you, and having them control you or you kind of step in and kind of get your elbows in there and say like, you know, not right now, not right now, maybe further down the road possibly, but right now, no. And I think, I think, I think your, your ability to come present, to stay in the moment, to keep pulling back to now is, is really a powerful tool. Um, I feel like we'll never know, like the mind wants to know why some things happen. I don't think we'll ever know. Um, I think, you know, I, I talk to myself that way too. Like you have a bad race or you, you had a certain session didn't go well. You're never really going to know why You'll, it's a fruitless journey, they say. So it's best to kind of take what you can and learn from it um, and move forward. And you talk about, you talk about having blessings from extreme, you know, extreme challenges, like the gifts <laughs> in circumstances. Um, and I think that it sounds like maybe that's part of your upbringing too, you know, just kind of shifting from anything that would seem to normal people, no, I shouldn't say normal people, the majority of people as like a devastating <laughs> injury or occurrence in your life, but you can actually pull some good out of it and something that you can take and, and um, demonstrate to your daughter or to your community and be like, this is something that we can all grow and learn from. Is that, does that sound true? For sure. It's funny. I was thinking about um, my first injury that I had. I, I've actually been very blessed in my triathlon career not to have really any injuries, um, except for this one that I've just struggled with lately. But um, in college, I my, at the end of my freshman year, I ended up getting a stress fracture in my patella. And I was extremely into athletics. Um, I was not the stereotypical college student. So my freshman year, I was in bed before 10 p.m. every single night. Um, and, and like, you know, just, just all those things. Like I was very vigilant and um, more, more of an athlete student than a student athlete. Um, and I ended up getting a stress fracture in my patella at the end of that year, um, which ended up, I, I couldn't do any training whatsoever. Like they didn't really want me walking on it. Cause if it fractured all the way through, they were like, you might not walk again. You might not, you know, it, the surgery is very serious and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, how to take a lot of time off. And in that time, I actually met my husband and, um, had time for that because I wouldn't have given him the time of day if it weren't for that. And so from this stress fracture that, you know, I felt was at the beginning, this horrible, horrible thing, I ended up with the most amazing man in the world and <laughs> most patient man in the world too. And so, um, you know, it was a massive blessing in disguise in, in a way. I mean, you know, same with like COVID, like I have been fortunate and not have had any issue, like any close people that I know have any issues with COVID or I die from COVID or anything. And so, um, the time down has actually been a massive blessing in our lives. We, we were able to have another child. And so without it really affecting my career too much. And, and so, yeah, you're right. Like having a different spin on the, the bad things, um, totally helps. And I think, you know, you have to have the, you have to have the bad to appreciate, you know, how good the good is. And um, it just so recently I, I ended up having a surgery on my knee in the fall because having a baby is not the easiest thing for your body to go through. And um, 
just my gait got all messed up and ended up having to have a surgery on my knee. And I have not, since she was born, I have not felt the joy in running um, at all. It has been really, really rough, really rough. (laughs) And um, just last week, I finally have found that joy back and that freedom and that flow in running. And I did not realize how much I missed it. And so just, yeah, to have the you know, and so, yes, it has been a really, really hard struggle with this whole knee injury, but to be able to really have that joy back in running, I love running so much now. Um, and, and so it's just like that blessing of that, like, yeah, so you're right. Like just finding the little good things out of the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're mom of two and something I was thinking about this earlier today as, as we were taking a walk about how I don't necessarily believe, believe this or agree with this statement, but they, they quote, they, I don't know who they are, but they say, they say triathlon (laughs) is a very selfish sport. You have to be selfish. It's a selfish sport. And how do you... What, how, what, how do you respond to a belief like that? Being a mom, I know f- from what I've heard, family is a very important um, piece for you. And then also your career, right? You've got a competitive drive. You've got a fire. You've got you've got this amazing career as a professional triathlete, but you're also a mom. You're also a wife. Um, how do you respond to that? this belief, which I think is a misled belief, that triathlon is a really selfish sport? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I think that there are parts of triathlon that can be selfish. And so they're maybe not selfish, but maybe unbalanced, I think is a better word. Um, and I really hate the word balance in itself because I don't think there's such thing as balance. I think there might be a lifetime balance, but every day is, is a, mixture of different things and there is no balance per every day in my life whatsoever. And so, um, you know, I think that it, you know, I am the person who is racing, but there are so, so many people behind me in my massive team that helps me get to that start line and that helps me get to that finish line in the best shape that I can. Um, you know, if, if it weren't for my, my husband, then I wouldn't be able to be doing this sport whatsoever because, you know, us having two kids and then all of his support with getting like household stuff done and like our, our roles as like, like a man and a woman in a marriage are not very like stereotypical. (laughs) Like he does a ton of like the housework and everything like that. Like I do cooking uh, because I love cooking, but he does do a lot of that. Like he takes more than his fair share um, of the household duties because, you know, after training and stuff, a lot of times I'm tired and I just don't have the energy to vacuum the house or, you know, anything like that. And so having him behind me, but then, um, I have the two best cheerleaders. Well, he's a good cheerleader too, but I have the two best cheerleaders that anyone could have and the two biggest motivators that anyone could have. And, um, I mean, I involve my girls as much as I can in my training. Like Sydney, my baby has just gotten to the age where, you know, 
I, I didn't take her out in the stroller at the beginning because, um, you're not supposed to do at the very beginning because they don't have a neck control. And then it was getting too cold by the time she had neck control. And so it's finally at the point where I like, I got to go push her in the stroller. And then Emmy, my oldest, who's nine, like comes and rides her bike along with us while I go run and, and things like that. Like actually just right before this, we were out in my garage cause it's raining here right now. And I was riding my bike on the trainer. It was just an easy ride. And so I had um, an AirPod in and she had an AirPod in and she was jumping on the trampoline. We have a trampoline on our garage because it's like a tall, massive garage. And um, <laughs> so she was jumping on the trampoline while we were listening to like one of our audiobooks that we've been loving. And and so just involving her um, in all of those ways. Like I, I bike up the Alpha Zwift on, on Zwift. And she loves biking down it and racing people down at the Alps and things like that. Just um, last weekend, um, I went on a gravel ride and actually took the chariot behind me. And my nine-year-old wanted to go in the chariot. And so I pulled my nine-year-old in the chariot on a gravel ride, (laughs) climbed like, you know, 3,500 feet. With, with like a hundred pounds behind me and stuff. Um, and went into a town over and got ice cream and then came back home. And so it's just been so fun to like, and we listened to a book that whole time too, because she loves audiobooks. And so it's just been fun. You know, those are just like a couple of ways that I've been able to integrate my family into all of this. Um, you know, they've come to some of my races. They, um, they came to the Collins cup in Slovakia last year and Emmy is like, mom, you have to qualify for the Collins Cup because I want to go back to that hotel because mm. <laughs> it's like this wonderful water park and stuff like that. And, and so, um, yeah, so I guess I think it's it's selfish if you make it selfish. But I also think that you can give back in many ways. Um, I guess one more story is in, in 2017, I had a very good friend um, in the triathlon world who got um, a very severe form of breast cancer. And, um, she, you know, did Ironmans and and everything. And I, um, you know, dedicated my race in New Zealand to her. And I had, you know, a whole bunch of breast cancer stickers with her, uh, name and everything. And, you know, was able to carry her like with me through that race in a way. And that meant a lot to her to be able to be part of that journey, um, in that race and, and everything. And, and then in 2019, I had another dear friend who, um, I was also working with, with, with aerodynamic bars and, and he was out riding his bike and ended up, um, getting killed. And I was able to dedicate, um, my, my 2019 Ironman, um, New Zealand and Ironman Texas. Cause he was actually, he lived in Texas, um, race to him. And that meant a lot to his family and I'm sure to him, um, wherever he's at now. And, um, you know, just involving other people in that racing and everything has, has meant a lot to me. I think, you know, as you were talking and we think about this word selfish, I think it's got this, I think it gets a bad rap, right? Like I think it's got a negative connotation, but I was thinking about, as you were speaking, that you going after your dreams, however people categorize that or label it, your daughters are, I mean, Sid, Sydney, she's the baby, right? And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Sydney's got Emmy, a little, yeah. yeah, she's got a little bit more before she's like learning the lessons from mom. Understanding. <laughs> yeah. but, but your older daughter, like she's watching. And what do you, what do you hope, what do you intend that she's taking away or will remember as she grows into mm-hmm. a woman and goes after her dreams? 
Yeah, I love that. I um, I just had someone come up to me um, in church this last Sunday, and they they said you know something to the effect of, "So you're still you're still racing and stuff." And I was like, "Well, I yeah, I I haven't quit my job, so." Yes, I'm, I'm still racing and, and I love that. I, <laughs> I do. That might have been a little bit too catty of me, but, but that's who I am. No so, filter. Um, no filter. Yeah. It, it was someone who I could say that to. Yeah. He wasn't going to take offense and stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I, I said it with a smile and, you know, I said, you know, and, uh, he's like, well, I just didn't understand. I just didn't know if you got burnt out or, you know, how, how long you can do this and, and everything. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not, not burnt out more. The joy definitely overwhelms the, the, you know, despair right now. And so I'm going to keep going for sure. And also like, I love to be able to, like you said, like, I love to be able to show my daughter's that you have a goal, you have a dream and you go after it and you go after it with all the passion in your heart. And, um, and if you do that, you know, wonderful things can come and you can, you know, fulfill yourself, which is super, super important. It is important to be selfish sometimes, right. To be able to be there for my family and everything like I need to have different dimensions to myself. I need to have all the spokes to my wheel to round myself out. And so um, triathlon is is one of those spokes and I, I love it. And I think that Emmy has seen that for sure. My, my older, my nine-year-old daughter, she does gymnastics, which is totally different than triathlon. And she was just talking today about an open hip circle on the bar. And we have to like YouTube these things because we don't even know what they are. And (laughs) so, so looking at these things, but, you know, just seeing that passion that she has for something in her life. And like, she gets so excited to get to go to gymnastics and, and everything. And I mean, this week she's doing 16 hours of training, which is just insane to me because I'm like, that's like, close to like amateur triathlete levels, right? Like 16 hours, you're at the gym for 16 hours. But anyway, um, yeah, so she definitely has that passion herself in her, in her own, you know, journey, um, in gymnastics. And yeah, like, I think, I think a lot of times in, in the culture and, and everything, I think, maybe women are told that they need to have different priorities sometimes. Um, and I'm not saying my family is not my number one priority because they are. But like I said, I, I need to have those different spokes to my wheel to be rounded out and to have that happiness. And so to have triathlon as one of the, those priorities um, ha, has helped me greatly. And I, I think that's really important for my girls to see. Um uh, and so that they have a different message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's le- uh, leading by example, which I really love to to see. And so the the new move you just mentioned that she's going to do on YouTube is no different than you <laughs> going out to gravel ride for the first time, right? It's it's giving permission that these things are okay to stay curious and that uh, you're going to be there to to support them one thousand percent of the time, and vice versa being at your races, being there at the finish line to, to support your, your ventures. That's, that's really powerful. I think, I think it sets the tone. It sets the tone of the household and, and, you know, 
be honest, like I follow this one, like, <laughs> like anything she says or, uh, well, most things she says or where she leads. Um, yeah, I said it here on the podcast. Um, but, but you feel that you feel that leadership, um, by example. And as much as it may feel uncomfortable, sometimes I know if it feels uncomfortable or it feels like there's some hesitation, I need to, I need to pursue it. I must pursue it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think it's really important to have those times where you're super uncomfortable. Like it's, you know, it's, it's part of life. I was just listening to the ritual podcast with, uh, Brad, Brad, was it Brad or was it uh, anyway, it was one of these recent ones and it was so good how they were talking about like having to, you know, purposely put yourself in uncomfortable situations to be able to, you know, experience that so that then next time it's not as hard and next time it's not as hard and and you train your brain to be able to be used to that so even like you know in racing or whatever competitions that you're doing you're able to do that and it's something that my oldest is not the best at and so it's it's funny because she just went she just switched groups in gymnastics and she said she wanted to. And then when it came down to it on Sunday night, she's like, nah, I just don't want to anymore. And we're like, why? And she's like, well, I just like where I'm at. Like I'm comfortable and everything. I'm like, okay, we're switching then because (laughs) that's not the good reason to not switch. And you're not always the best at making these switches and doing these uncomfortable things. And then once you do them, you love it and you think it's amazing and it's so fun. And so and she has, she's loved it this week. And so it's just, yeah, it's funny. We need to get out of our comfort zone a lot of times. Yeah. We literally got spit out of the ocean this morning. Oh, we decided to go jump down here. We're about a block or two from the ocean and <laughs> we're like, we're going to go swim with this crew. And we, we lined up there. We were there early. We did our warm up. We ran the beach. We did all our exercises. They just roll down. They go right into the water. So we follow them. The current was so strong and the waves were big, in our opinion. <laughs> we didn't make it out. We didn't make it out. So they're all ahead and we had to turn around and, and come back. And I know that was your that was your first experience with. That was my first experience getting spit out. Um, and I had no, I think we had ex- different experiences as we rolled up to the beach, like which is the, right at the end of the street. Like I had absolutely zero doubt that I wouldn't be able, I was like, absolutely, I'm going to be able to get out there. Like, no, I've never not been able to get out in the surf, but there was so much white water there. The waves were just, they were crashing so far off um, shore. And it was so interesting, like, as it was like, just throw, just thrashing me and pulling me in this current that I've never felt so strong. I've never felt the current like that. It wasn't until I kind of started to drown a little bit where I was like, "Mm, I think I need a breather. And then I just did. I was like, I think we're good. I'm going to go running. (laughs) But we needed that experience. We needed to be there. And like, I've had experiences like that. I go in the water a little bit more than you do, but I kind of could see the waves and the patterns of them. And I knew it was like, I don't know about this one. So was my was my introduction of doubt part of the experience we would have and, and pull that energy in where we were like, okay, well, if there's an introduction of it, because again, what we focus on, you know, expands, um, was that a contributing factor? And it co- could possibly be, but I think the growth in this, and my point is, you just shrug it off. Like, we're going to go back and go back in the ocean again. We're not going to be dictated by one day, one point in time, which has already passed. It doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, so Texas. So you won Texas. 
It was your sixth time at Ironman Texas, which is so cool. Yeah. You just kept going back. Um, <laughs> so I'm assuming you got your spot to Kona. Did you already have a spot to Kona or did you get your spot there? I got my spot there. I know it's so hard to keep track of because there's been so many different races that you could have gotten it. And blah, yeah, yeah, no, but I got my spot there. So, so how does it feel? <laughs> so coming off of St. George, did that, did St. George like leave you wanting more on the world championship stage? And like, what are you bringing into to Kona? And I know they're, they're very different climates and, and all of that, but what did St. George leave you that you can use to your advantage um, grow the good moving into Kona. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Cause I was just writing down like different things that I learned from my build and racing in Texas and St. George. Cause the build was obviously the same build. You don't do anything different in the two weeks. <laughs> and so the build and then the races in, in Texas and St. George. And, and I think that it's just like, when I was writing things down, they were very just like basic things that I was able to like eke out and stuff. And I think it's just been, like I said, like St. George obviously left me wanting more, like racing sick. Um, you're never at your best. Like my run one, it hasn't like until, like I said, like this last week, I finally have found my rhythm and my joy in running. And so that's been, that's been wonderful. And I haven't had that in forever. And um, and then also just, you know, you're not able to be at your hundred percent when you're, when you're sick. And so I'm not, and it shows up most on the run. And so then it's like a double whammy on that one run, like sick, injured, like just not racing well, um, running. And so I think it was a lesser, I, I don't think people, some people would like that, but I think it was a lesser world championship. We had people sick, we had people injured. And yes, I understand you have to be like on the start line to be able to, they have to be on the start line for you to be able to race them. But I think there still is a slight asterisk to that championship race. And it's the only one outside of Kona, which is like you said, totally different. And so I guess, um, in a way, I guess in one of my coping mechanisms, um, to, I finished that race. I didn't DNF that race, but one of my coping mechanisms for, I guess, a race that didn't pan out like I wanted is to be more dismissive of it, I guess. And to have, you know, say, oh, well, this is an asterisk and say all of those things that I just said, said about the race. And I don't think that when I do that, I'm able to use that race as much for motivation for the future because I've kind of like, put it off to the side and like, this doesn't matter and I'm moving on. Um, and so I guess, yeah, like it's, it's funny. Like what can I take from that race for motivation going into the world championship in, in Kona? And I would honestly say not much, which is probably not the answer like <laughs> that you were expecting, but, um, yeah, like I, I think, I get a lot more motivation and like gumption and um, confidence uh, for a race out of my training. And so it's going to be the training that I'm doing now and, you know, in the next few months leading up to Kona, that's going to give me all of that motivation and confidence and, and journey through to, to that race. And um, 
yeah, like it's, I mean, it's been a journey from having my second kid who was not the easiest, easiest birth, um, to trying to get back to racing, to be able to make the inaugural Collins cup last year, to be able to, you know, make it to the last couple of races, um, in the season, um, and everything and, and to have some somewhat of a season last year. I did my first race five months postpartum. And so that's been a whole journey this last year. And so I, this does have a point that that whole journey, like I just haven't found like that rhythm and that mojo um, very easily because of that hard birth and just having like this hard it's hard last year. I mean, people said COVID was hard. COVID was a breeze for me. And it's been, I know we're still dealing with it, but um, we're emerging out of it. And so it's been more of this last year that's been my struggle and everything. And I'm a person who like, when I'm motivated, I like, I talk out a lot more. I, you know, I'm very outgoing more when I'm, you know, in good shape and everything like that. And it's been a down like I've just been more subdued this last year. And um, I've had a training partner who like I plaster pictures of people who I want to beat um, and places I want to beat them all over everywhere. Like I, I, I'm a tenacious person and that's just who I am. And, and so I have these, you know, people who are motivators. I have these places that are motivators and in this training partner, um, I remember last year, he, he was like, so he, so he lives upstairs above our garage and he's also a pro triathlete, Travis. And he was like, so, um, you know, I was, I was looking at some pictures that we can print out cause he knows that I do this, um, of these guys who I want to be. And then, you know, you can find some and we can, you know, throw them out over to Costco and get them printed and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, maybe ask me in a month because yeah, I'm not feeling that right now. And I was also weaning my daughter at that point in time. And so your hormones are all jacked anyway. And so I have finally, just in these last couple of weeks, finally found that mojo and that motivation again. And so I guess like even out of Texas, like I can't take much motivation or I can take learnings for sure out of the last two races, but not a ton of of motivation into the next race. Sorry, that was a long answer to that question and a little deep. So, <laughs> no, oh, we love deep. Go deeper. Yeah, we, <laughs> we love deep. How, how deep is <laughs> But you know, BJ always says this like, motivation is like, I don't know, it's just so transient, right? Like, it's never there when you really need it. Um, I think the, the learnings or whatever it is are, are going to be more valuable, but also, like, every moment, every single moment is a moment to begin again, right? And so we can look at it as moments. We can look at it as years. We can look at it like after the child is born, after they're weaned, like there's so many new beginnings. Um, and leading into Kona, you know, over these next couple of months, like it's just, it's just a new beginning. Like it's, we, we decide how much of that past we're going to carry with us, um, whether it's helpful or not helpful. And so, you know, you just, you lift up that rug and you just put it under there and, um, and realize that no matter no matter what the hard years the hard days like they're temporary like you are going to come out of the storm like we always come out of the storm and it's only in my experience and I'd like to get your take on this too like it's only once the storm has passed that I'm clear on anything up until then I'm just in the storm 
Yes and no. I, I guess I'm, I've been fortunate to like, I guess, acknowledge that I'm in a storm sometimes. Um, I think, I guess, um, this is a benefit for women and, and this is like, i going back to taking positives out of negatives is, um, sorry, BJ TMI, but like monthly cycles, right? Like, um, you know, that day ish, maybe even two days before I like start my cycle, I think the world is ending. I, it is massive storm over my head. And I literally, I think the world is ending and, and nothing is okay. And I'm able to like separate myself from that and understand, okay, well, I know why this is happening. I know that in a couple of days, the world is not going to be ending and everything isn't going to be horrible. And, you know, all of these different things. And I'm able to, you know, weather the storm, um, I'm able to see the storm over, over there and me over here and, you know, we're going along together. And so I'm able to separate myself from it, I guess, in a way. And so because of that, I think it has given me somewhat of a perspective when I'm in like a hard situation um, and things to be able to, to realize it and to have some clarity through the storm of or like mental negativity that I'm having and then I'm able to see that and be like like you know I just need to push through. I guess that's another like theme of this whole talk is like we're just like push through and if you just keep going life goes on and you're able to keep going on. And so um you know I think yeah head down do the work and things will get better and I sometimes it's hard to realize that every moment and everything. But I think in the overall day, and if I look back in the day, I'm able to see like, okay, like, yeah, like we've made progress today. Let's keep going and see what tomorrow will bring. Well, tomorrow is sometimes negative. And so the next day, you know, that might be progress. And I guess that also goes back to when I went before this, this career, I was an ICU nurse. And, you know, I had I talked more with my families than my patients, right? Because my patients are mostly comatose. And so I, the, pay, the, you know, the families are the ones who are really going through it at that point in time in the ICU. And the, the families are seeing their loved ones go backwards and then forwards and then backwards and then forwards, but an overall upwards trajectory. And, you know, they focus on the very minute details of the day, you know, minute by minute things, even the day-to-day things when I'm saying, look, you need to focus on, on the week, you know, and look, we look what, you know, medications we've gotten off of, look where we've, you know, been able to progress, look what, you know, we're able to have solved these issues and, and everything like that. And so I think that whole mindset when I was a nurse was able to help me in, in this and be able to say, look, I can't focus on, on workout to workout. I can't focus on day to day. Sometimes, sometimes I have to focus on week to week um, month to month to be able to, you know, weather the storm. And, and that's honestly what I've been able to, and have had to do these last, you know, five weeks, um, being sick and then trying to get out of it. It's like, there's been really bad days and then there's been okay days. And then there's been really good days. And as long as I am looking at it and I'm like, okay, the trajectory is going in the right direction. Um, I'm able to gain, I guess, a hope, out of that, which is, I think, probably what you need to be able to help yourself continue um, pushing forward. 
It's like, I don't have children, but it's like what I've heard about when you're trying to get your kids to eat really healthy. The doctor says like, it doesn't matter how many vegetables you're eating in a day, like just try and get it in a week, right? And then it's not uh, that big yeah. of a deal. Just like, like get it, like over, <laughs> if they can eat healthy over the course of a week, we're good. Don't worry so yeah. much about about the day-to-day. Um, so what, uh, what else do you have going on this year? Do you have any other races that you're uh, planning to line up for, or is it just prep for Kona? Yeah, yeah. So I'll be doing uh, Crusher the Cheshire. It's down in Beaver, Utah. It's a gravel race. That's July 9th. And then I'll be doing the PCO Open in Canada. And that's July 23rd. Um, and then I plan to have that race qualify me for the Collins Cup in August and go do the Collins Cup so my daughter can go play at the hotel. Uh, and, then, uh, and then after that, it will be, um, you know, prepping for Kona. And I might do the um, the Texas, well, the Texas, the U.S. Open that the PTO is putting on down in Texas. I do all my Kona prep in Texas. And so I plan to be in Houston during that time that the race is going. And I'll kind of make a game day decision if I'm going to drive up to Dallas and do that race or not. And then Kona. And then, oh, after Kona, it's going to be a play it by ear, see how I feel. But they just came out with the Middle Eastern uh, Ironman Championships in Israel. So I would love to go because I've always wanted to go to Israel. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be new. That's got to be new. Yeah, it's brand new. Yeah, yeah, it's this year. So yeah, you swim. Um, in the Sea of Galilee. No, you don't. That's crazy. That's yes. amazing. Yes. And then you bike to Capernaum and back. And um, <laughs> if you know Bible stuff, sorry. I, totally. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I totally. Like religion I'm, showing. <laughs> no, I totally under. No, I. that's why I'm saying no way you get to swim in the Sea of Galilee. That's so crazy. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm up on all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you just run along the the Sea of Galilee. And so, I, yeah, like I was looking at it and nerding out about it. I'm like, Scott, we have to go. Like, this is amazing, and like all this stuff. So, um, we'll see how I feel after Kona and. I can always make a trip that doesn't include a race to Israel, but I might as well make it a work trip so we can ride it off. <laughs> yeah, but how beautiful is that? Like, it really is. It's combining oh. combining your, your faith and what's important to you with your career and what's important to you. Like, that, that would be yeah. a beautiful experience. Wow. It really, really would be. Uh, I, yeah, oh, I was like getting shivers. Like, and then I found like tickets that were only like a thousand bucks. And I was like, I'm just going to buy these now and we can decide later because they were refundable. The <laughs> excitement you have now versus what you just had for Kona is like totally different, <laughs> totally different level. <laughs> I love I, it. I think it's because, like you said, like that would, like, it would combine mm. my, beliefs with my job. And I think that's really, really, really cool. Kona is like a hundred percent work, you know? And so, and, and it's, there's joy for sure in Kona and, and everything, but there's also been, um, you just have hard times in Kona. And I, I've, I've been able to get over that. Like I had the same thing with Ironman Texas before 2019. I had, I had, um, 
you know, races that just didn't go well. And then 2016, I had a race where I passed out half a mile before the finish line and I was passed out for about half an hour. I got to the med tent, my, uh, finally, after like basically crawling across the finish line, um, my, my blood pressure was like 80 over 40 in the med tent. Um, and it was just awful. And then I've had races where like I was sick before the race and I ended up pulling out. I've had races, uh, a race there where I got two flats, and I got stuck in my hardest gear on the bike. And then the run was just a slog because I like murdered my legs. And so then coming in 2019, when I was racing Daniela Reef there, um, it was it was a really hard time getting gumption to get into that right mindset to accomplish, you know, like break the curse is what some of my friends have said about that race. And so um, I was able to um, because... I, you know, I am a very mental athlete and like I do a lot of mental work to be able to prepare myself for races. And so I did the mental work needed to be able to, to accomplish what I wanted. Well, almost accomplish what I wanted to there. Um, and so I think the same mental work needs to be done as I go into Kona this year, um, is to get myself mentally ready to really, you know, be a hundred percent ready on race day at that race. And there's just been dumb mistakes that I've made throughout the years, um, going into that race, which have been great because then I can learn from them and I can move on and I can not make them now. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, so I think there's a different excitement for Kona. I think it's a nervous under the, under, under, you know, whatever, under the surface excitement, because I, um, I guess I'm scared to show the excitement because then that puts pressure on myself. So, and you're an underdog athlete. You like the underdog. I do love you the underdog. <laughs> I always cheer for the underdog in all the other sports. Oh, come so, on, yeah. I, I want to be that person. So. <laughs> yeah. Can you share? Fun. Is it possible to share one of your mind, you know, how you train the mind? Maybe, you know, we have athletes that are just like, they can do the, the training, seems to be the easy part, but it's like, how can we? how can we tap into that, that I guess it's presence or how can we just pull ourselves into the moment as much as possible? I don't know if you can answer that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, I was about to say a billion different ways and Travis would make fun of me for that because that's been my word lately is a billion. (laughs) (laughs) I have a billion clothes to fold. (laughs) I say a billion things of food. I just say a billion. A billion is uh, the word uh, for me lately. So, um, yeah, there's a billion different ways to do that. And I'm sure there really are. But, um, I, I, like I said, like, I like to prepare for a race mentally by using, um, visual cues. And so putting up pictures around my house, putting up pictures of my goals, um, and things like that to keep those at the front of your mind. Um, I think in order to accomplish that mental fortitude and aspect in a race, you have to practice it in training. And so to be able to like go through hard spots in training and not just have it be all, you know, rainbows and butterflies is, is super important. And to be able to acknowledge that when you have that in, in a training day and say, okay, look, like, and then figure out 
what helps you to get out of that. And I think it's different for different people. There's there's a lot of different coping mechanisms that I use. There's counting that helps me just to like get back into the present moment. And I'm just like counting my right leg on my bike, how many times it goes over and just count to a hundred and then go back to one and then just keep counting. And if you keep counting forever, you're just staying present in that moment. And same with same with running, same with swimming, just counting one leg or one arm, like the stroke and everything. And so that helps me ground myself and just like come back into the present moment. Um, I also, I have cue words. I, I have power words, I guess is what I call them. And different words speak to me um, at different times. Uh, the words right now are, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm relentless. And so whenever I have a hard spot that comes to me, I draw on those words and I just tell myself, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm relentless. Instead of saying, this hurts, this stinks. I'm not strong enough. I don't want to do this. I go back and I say, I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'm relentless. And I think your body really listens to words. And I think words have real power. And so the words that you tell yourself and everything, your body is going to react to that. Your body language, they've done research articles, Amy Cuddy, your body language helps your body progress or go back, you know? And so even like you're doing in a swim set, like I'll do like um, Amy Cuddy, like do the um, victory pose right before I do a really hard 50 or, you know, hundred or whatever, if I'm really struggling, like, and that body language, that victory pose is just your arms above your head. And so that body language really helps your body like prepare for that next step, prepare for everything. And so, um, yeah, so all of those. And then, um, when all else fails, I have songs and I have different songs for every race and I dedicate different songs for each race. They've been from religious songs to rap songs to chill songs to you know all sorts of things. It's just whatever speaks to me in that moment and whatever gives me, like I said, that power and that courage to keep going, um, I think are super important. Um, sorry, one more, um, is that I have, um, a journal and I'll write a couple of different things. I'll do one thing that I could have worked on in that day and three things that I did well, because it's more important to dwell on those things that you did well and that you can keep progressing that you did well than the thing that you did wrong. Um, I also have a journal that I write down my main goal that I have, um, with my triathlon career every single night. And I don't write like... I will blah, blah, blah. I say, I am blah, blah, blah. And so not that, you know, it's something in the future happening. It is something that I have done and it's something that I am and it's something that I've accomplished. And so I'm sorry, that was like, I do meditation as well. I have not been as great about my meditation lately, um, but I, I do do some meditation um, as well because I think that helps you practice coming back into the moment and, and staying focused and staying, staying present. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a couple of my little hidden gems. So <laughs> yeah. We'll make sure Daniela isn't listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure she has them too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she does. We had, um, we had this neuroscientist, uh, and also a yogi meditation teacher on the podcast, Dr. Daya Grant. She's also a triathlete and she was, this is the first time I had heard this. And then I did a little bit more research on it is that meditation actually affects the default mode network in our brains, which the default mode network is the part of the mind that is wandering 
and it actually shuts it yeah. down. It like shuts it down. So we've we've got more present moment awareness, but also as we shut that down, right, we're going to have more of an ability to deliberately focus our our minds or our mm -hmm. brains or, or whatever we're going to call that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're big fans of of meditation over here. Um, See, it's funny because I, when I have had a good meditation practice, I have totally experienced that. Like I will get onto my bike for a session and I actually won't crave the music. I'll crave being more present and grounded in my, my session. And so I know that, I know that it works a hundred percent. I totally believe in it. I am a triathlete a person who has religious responsibilities with my church, a wife, a mom, and sometimes things go by the wayside. So I, yeah, yeah, there's definitely room for me to prioritize. And this is a good reminder of that. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing all those uh, mental tricks. I think that those techniques are great. We support all of mm -hmm. those. Um, they're wonderful. <laughs> we use them as well. And thank you so much. Like, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for being so generous and honest and and um, and for giving us your time today. We really, really appreciate it, Jocelyn. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me on and and welcoming me into the Yogi Triathlete Club. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and if you're on any other podcast, I'll write. Just let me know. I'll write the intro tell and I'll, the phone I'll send it. Jeff. Over. I'll tell them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they actually need to hire Jeff to write the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and we will. Uh, we'll see you in Kona. We will we'll be see in, you in Kona. Kona. So, um, and you're not oh, racing awesome. the same day as the yeah. We're racing Saturday. You're, you're racing Thursday. Yeah, race yeah. Thursday. Okay, so we'll be yeah. cheering you on. We'll be cheering. Yeah. You on. Awesome. Yeah, well, don't stay out there in the heat and on your feet too long. So, true. Yeah, well, I can. So, I'll be, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be a part of your community that day. I'll, I'll just exhaust awesome. myself. It would be great. But thank you again. <laughs> so appreciated this conversation. I know our listeners are going to love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much.